Good morning. If you haven't had the chance to meet you yet, my name is Cameron. I'm one of the board of advisors here at Fusion City Church. We're so glad you've joined us here this morning. A quick show of hands, just a question and a poll. How many of you have had a close friend or acquaintance of the past ever try to contact you and sell you something? Just slip a hand. You know, we got some laughters. Like, yeah, yeah. Everybody has experienced that. Yeah, so it happened to me as well. Uh, there was a teacher I had in high school. He was one uh, of my favorite teachers. He uh, really poured into my life, and um, I really liked this class. I really did well in this class because of how the teacher interacted with the students and how he just poured in and invested into his students. And so I, I took a, a kind of a, a mentor-mentee relationship with him. Uh, this, this class was kind of a hands-on math class type thing, and it wasn't really math, but it was kind of hands-on. Uh, it, was, it was really exciting, really. But more than that, this guy would ask me, you know, hey, how's your, how's your life going? How, how's your, the sports going? I played baseball, so he really liked to talk about baseball and how he used to play baseball and really connect that way. He's like, yeah, I was good. You know, I was like, I don't know if you are or not, but I'm going to go along with it. And, you know, we, we had that connection uh, as, when I was a student and he was a teacher. Fast forward, I go to college, and I decide to become a math teacher. Um, I don't, some days I wake up and wonder why, but I became a math teacher, and I get to go back and teach at the same high school with this teacher. And so it was exciting to, to maybe keep having those conversations, to build that relationship with my, what I saw as a mentor and a role model and a good, godly man, and, and to build that relationship. Now, we still were on separate sides of the school. We talked two different things. Uh, but we had our interactions when we could, and, and most of the time it came up during meetings. It was, hey, how's it going? How's life going? How's, how's your girlfriend? You got a girlfriend? And my wife now at the time was my girlfriend. Yeah, I got a girlfriend. He said, oh, that's great. That's great. So we continued to build those conversations and build our relationship. And then he asked me to dinner one day. He said, hey, you know, hey, let's go catch up and let's, let's go to dinner. And I was like, awesome, man. We're going to be like, take this to the next step. We're going to kind of be more than just, you know, mentor, mentee. We're going to be like colleagues. We're going to be kind of rubbing elbows. We're going to be equals here. And so we get to dinner and we, we eat dinner. It wasn't this fancy place. It was kind of like a barbecue joint. We, we go to eat. We get our food and we continue our conversation. Hey, man. What do you want to do in your future? Like, what's the future look like? I was like, well, I want to marry my, my girlfriend. I want to have kids. I want, I want to do all that stuff. He's like, that's great. That's great. Let me ask you a question. Uh, what would happen to all your stuff if you died? I was like, well, I should have picked a better meal if this is going to be what this is. Like, uh, I was 22 years old at the time. I was like, I don't I don't. What, what, what kind of angle you got here? Am I going to die here? Like, what's happening? And then, it was, you know, the conversation, I was like, is this kind of a spiritual thing? Like, am I, am I going to be, am I saved? Like, is he trying to, you know, do that kind of thing? But he's like, no, nah, man, have you ever thought about life insurance? <laughs> it's like, oh, man, come on. And so I listened to the, the pitch. I, listened, I was trying to be polite because he was, you know, role model and all that stuff. I listened to it. And then it just felt like all it was was kind of that he used our relationship as a sale. And I couldn't buy life insurance through, how, you know, life insurance is a great thing. He had great intentions for my life, asking me about life insurance. But I couldn't get it through his company because I have asthma. And so apparently that is a disqualifier for the life insurance. So it was discriminatory to people that can't breathe right. I mean... <laughs> I felt bad, but at the same time, it was like, you know, it kind of felt used. 
And I'm sure you felt the same way with the people that have asked you about whatever it is. Like, hey, try this weight loss pill, this weight loss program, lose it all. It's like, okay, and thanks. And then, hey, try this skincare regimen. Try these knives that can cut through aluminum cans. It's like, I don't, I still don't know why that matters, but it's impressive. Just this week, this is crazy. Just this week, my wife was contacted by a, a friend from college on Facebook through an audio message, which I didn't know was a thing. Don't send me a bunch of those. That, but an audio message says, hey, girl. I was like, okay, here we go. She was letting me listen to it. Hey, girl, I saw your Facebook page gets a lot of hits. That's a lot of looks, I guess, likes and stuff like that, comments and stuff like that. I see all the pictures of your kids. Spoiler alert, I have one kid. We have one kid. So this is a pre-recorded message, one size fits all type thing here. So she goes, hey, you should join my biz. Let me tell you about my biz. Let me tell you about, I was like, she goes through the whole message and we have no idea what the business was. She didn't say what she was selling, why she was, it was just join my biz, girl. And then she finally messaged, hey, what did you think of my message? You want to you wanna find out more information? My wife was like, no, thanks. I appreciate it. And no response from the woman. Nothing. Still to this day, nothing. And it just felt like that she was using and leveraging that relationship for a sale. The same way we feel that when someone does that to us. And we talk about loving our neighbors. We talk about how does it look to take the great commandment seriously? Love God and love people. And then there's another commandment of Jesus, not really a commandment, another claim of Jesus, another proclamation of Jesus after the resurrection at Matthew 28. It says, go and make disciples, the great commission. And so sometimes our tendency as Christians and our default can be, hey, I need to love my neighbors to make the sale for discipleship. And we make people feel like all they are is the sale when we, we're nice to people. You've heard that as a common complaint to non-Christians. is all they want from me. All these Christians want from me is to convert and go to church. And sometimes they feel that way. When all we do is treat them like a sale. We're just nice. And then when they don't respond how we want, we're just like the, white, the woman that contacted my wife the mentor that I had that when I didn't respond like he wanted, kind of moved on. And that's not what loving your neighbor should look like. That's not what it should be. There's such a fine line here between making sure that we live out the great commandment, love God, love people, and then go make disciples. It shouldn't be a sales pitch of this. And there's a fine line that exists here with that. Neighboring, being a good neighbor, should never be a sales pitch. And the best, this is what's so hard to wrestle with with this fine line. Is the best decision anyone can make in their life is to follow Jesus. Would you not agree with that statement? The best decision someone can make in their life is to follow Jesus. And why would we not want that for every single person we come into contact with? That's what we want. That's what we desire. That's what we are all about as Christians, but that should never come at the cost of a sale. We should not be selling the gospel. We should not be selling Jesus to people and just being nice to get a sale. They're not check boxes. They're not another notch on our belts. 
That's not the way it should be. So how do we make sure and how do we wrestle with this idea of loving our neighbor, but also making disciples? It starts by identifying the motives that we can have. There's two types of motives. One is the bad, one is the good. The first, the bad motive is the ulterior motives. And ulterior motives in nature are intentionally hidden. So saying and doing one thing, but in private doing something completely different. Hey, I care about you. How's your future? How's, how's that? How's this? With in a private, I'm just making a sale. If they respond poorly, I'm moving on. An ulterior motive is manipulative. Is you try to manipulate the relationship that you have with that person, your neighbor, to just spin it as a sale, to spin it when things go wrong, to spin it if they don't respond properly, then I'm moving on. Ulterior motives are when they, you kind of keep it out, you don't keep it out in the open. You're not up front with your intentions. It's all hidden agenda. And we feel that. We feel that when we had that sale happen to us. Why would we want that to be the feeling of our neighbors when we go to love them is that all they're trying to, that if you're the neighbor, and all that we, they feel like that Christians do is love and be nice with the intentions of just trying to get you to church. That's ulterior motive. That's trying to say one thing, but in private do another. That's the ulterior motive. Paul addresses this in, in Romans 12, where he's talking to Christians in general. He's challenging them of how they should behave. And he, he's calling them to be better, be better and, and stand above the rest. In Romans 12, if you'll turn there, or look on you version with me here. Romans 12, verse 9. This is the start of his list of a challenge to these Christians and how to behave, how it should look to be a Christian. Verse 9. Don't just pretend to love others. Doesn't that exactly describe how it feels to be a sale to someone? Pretend love. That's exactly what it feels like. When all the person is doing is acting like they care about you. Yeah, they may actually care about you, but what it feels like in the end, the intentions aren't felt because all it felt was that you were a sale. That's the ulterior motives. Pretend love is an ulterior motive. That's what it feels like, a direct result. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. And that's what we got to wrestle with with loving God and loving our neighbor is it's not just this feel-good love. It's this love that is going to speak truth. It's going to hate evil and hold to what is good. It's going to be honest with people. It's going to be not pretend. All right, that's the ulterior motive is pretend, pretend love. He goes on in verse 10 to even echo something very similar. Love each other with genuine affection. Another version says brotherly affection, like, like you would love your family. Love each other with a genuine affection and take light in, delight in honoring each other. Man, that, that's a beautiful picture of what it should look like as a Christian. Not this pretend love with ulterior motives, with all I'm out to do is to be nice with the intentions of making a sale. 
It's a genuine love. So the, the contrast of the ulterior motive is pretend love. The good motive, the right motive to have is an ultimate motive with genuine love. As Paul addresses there in verse 10, love each other genuinely. The ultimate motives are in it for the farthest part of the journey. Not just, hey, this moment they didn't respond how I wanted to respond, I'm done. Ultimate motives isn't like that. Ultimate motives says if they don't respond, I'm still in it with them. I'm still in it with them. Ultimate motives say I'm in it for the long haul, the eventual destination. I'm loving my neighbor for the long haul. It doesn't matter what happens along the way. Just like in a a kid that starts to play baseball at an early age and the dreams are to play in the major leagues, that's not going to stop him. He's going to keep digging. He's going to keep trying. He's going to do everything it takes to get to that ultimate far destination of being in the major leagues. The same is true when we love with the ultimate motive in mind of loving our neighbor in spite of what happens. If you're taking notes with us today, here's something you can write down and you can take away. There's something that I'm going to keep as my banner in my mind as I go out to love people. The ultimate goal of loving, loving our neighbors is to love without conditions. The ultimate goal of loving our neighbors is to love without conditions. And that's, that's hard. Because we're human. We feel, we feel that like, you know, hey, I'm just going to love you. And then when they don't respond, they don't do what we want them to do, or they do exactly something against you, it's, no, nah, I'm good. I can't do that. The ultimate goal of loving, loving our neighbors is to love without conditions. Love in spite of how they respond to your story of Jesus. Love in spite of fill in the blank. Like what would, you, what would they have to do? What would your neighbor have to do to make you stop loving them? You fill in the blank. Love them in spite of what you would have said there. That's our ultimate goal of loving our neighbors. That's how we get this right. That's how we should walk as a Christian. Not this pretend love with ulterior motives just to make a sale. And when things don't go like they should, we're out. That's a genuine love. And genuine love is telling the truth to our neighbors, but uh, it doesn't let the response of our neighbors sway that love. That it doesn't matter how they respond. I'm going to love them anyway. Drop your agenda in the reason why you're loving our, your neighbor. So we, we've talked about loving your neighbor, loving your neighbor, loving your neighbor. And this is not something that should just end after the series or end after we've finished reading the book or end after our connect group stopped talking about it. This is something that is, this is a Christian thing that we should follow. Drop your agenda and just love your neighbor without any conditions. I mean, this is, this is not something that's easy for people that are outside the church. This is, it makes it easy for us. Why does it, what, what inspires us to love this way? We just sang about it. I was back there just bawling my eyes out, the reckless love of God. 
Why can we love without conditions? It's because we've been loved without conditions. Man, what would it look like for us to take God's love serious enough that we just pour it out to other people as well? We didn't deserve it. I'm so undeserving, unworthy of God's love, yet he still showed me the love. I gave him all kinds of reasons not to love me. I gave him conditions. Hey, you probably shouldn't love me. We all have. But Christ came and became our neighbors, became our neighbor, walked among us, loved us enough to go to the cross for us. Man, if that doesn't get you excited about love, you can't be genuine. If, you're, if you want a genuine love, you look at Jesus' love. You want your love to be legit. You want your love for others to be genuine. You gotta love God. That's the whole part. Love God and feel that love from him. He loves you so much in spite of who you are. How dare we not respond in the same way to our neighbors? And stop making it a sales pitch. The gospel is not meant to be a sales pitch. Jesus never made it about a sales pitch. You notice through all of the gospel accounts that Jesus walked with people. He loved on people. He, everywhere he went, he was interacting in love. He spoke truth, but he loved. We should walk in a, the same way. So how do we figure out this wrestling of the great commandment? Love God, love your neighbor. And the other great, the great commission. How do, how do we resolve this? I, that I need to love God and love my neighbor, but I also know that God is calling me to make disciples. The great commission. If you're taking notes, you could write this down. If we get the great commandment right, love God, love your neighbor, no conditions. We will live out the great commission. If you are loving intentionally, loving God, loving your neighbor intentionally, without conditions, you're going to live out the making disciples. This is exactly what Jesus did. He walked with people. He had 12 people he intentionally poured into. Every single one of them was knuckleheads, just like us, just like your neighbors. It didn't change his love for them. One of them even betrayed him. And he knew it, and he still loved. Man, that, when you think about the weight of God's love and Christ's love for us, man, if that doesn't get you excited to love your neighbor in the same way, I, I don't know how you, I don't know how to inspire you. Because God's love empowers us to go live out the Great Commission. Loving our neighbors gets easier when we consider the love that has been shown for us by Jesus and that empowers us to extend that same love. Man, let go of your agenda. Let go of trying to make the gospel a sale. Like what, what makes it a sale is maybe you've been talking to some people. Maybe you've been talking to your neighbors about, hey, come to church, come to, come to church, come to church. And if you make a che checklist of things to run through in your head to make sure that you get in into the conversation. You're trying to make a sale. 
If you're, look at this, look at this, look at this, look at this. If you've cut off relationships because of their response, that's been that ulterior motive. But imagine what this could look like if we are Christians living this out for the long haul. Imagine the, everyone taking serious the ultimate goal, the long end destination, the journey that we take with these people that are around us, every single one, Christian, non-Christian, that we're loving people around us. Imagine the end result. Imagine what it looks like if we take this serious, if we drop our condition, drop our agenda, and start loving people because of the outpouring of God's love for us. Jesus envisioned this. Jesus said this in Matthew 5, verses 14 to 16. You are the light of the world. You. If you're a Christian, that's you. Put your name there. You are the light of the world. Like a city on a hill that cannot, on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, Let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. Let your good deeds shine out for all to see. When you love your neighbor without conditions, that's what happens. You let your good deeds shine out for all to see. And the ultimate goal as a Christian, here's the ultimate goal as a Christian is to glorify God with everything that we are. We've talked about that in the past here at Fusion City Church. We talked about how our goal as Christians, our goal as humans existing is to glorify God. And when we get this love right, when we love people without condition, when we love our neighbors without conditions, we will let our good deeds shine out for the world to see and they will praise our Heavenly Father. Being intentional with people. Loving people, going the extra mile, going the long haul. People are going to take notice because that love is weird. That love doesn't make sense in human minds. It's like someone loves me despite of my rejection of everything that they believe in. Yeah. Imagine what that could do to people around you. People, if Christians would take this serious, we would stop hearing that complaint from people. It's like all they want is me to get converted. They don't care about me. All they want is for me to be converted. If we get this right, man, we could be a a light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that can't be hidden. Let your light shine for all to see so that they will praise your heavenly father. If you're a Christian, that's the goal. That's our, that's our banner. That's our, that's what we should aim for. So I want to challenge you with this. Think about the neighbors that you've had identified. Maybe if you've been here with us, we've identified the four, or you're, at least you're getting close, hopefully. Think about those that you have listed. Think about the people that you work with in general, people that you're around in general. Has your love been genuine to those people? If people know that you're a Christian, if people that, that know you proclaim Christ, are you, 
showing Christ's love? Is it legit? Or is it pretend? That I only care about these people for a checkbox. Like, oh, should do that. Oh, I'm going to love my neighbor. I'm going to make disciples. It's just a checkbox. It's just a sale. This is not what it's intended for. So I ask you, evaluate those relationships in your life. Are you loving with genuine love? And I'll even challenge you with this a little bit further, a little bit harder. Has there been anyone in your past that you loved with a condition, that you tried to pour into, to try to love on, and they didn't respond to the gospel like you wanted, and you dropped them? You stopped having conversations with them. You stopped interactions with them because they didn't respond how you wanted. I challenge you to go ask forgiveness. I challenge you to press into that hard. That's hard. Because when I wrote it down, I was like, no, that's hard. But that's a challenge. Because what would it, how amazing would that be if that's a testimony of that person's life that this Christian wrote me off. I didn't respond how they wanted, but then they came back to my life, asked forgiveness for that incident, and then just kept pouring love on me. And I couldn't help but wonder like, hey, where's this love coming from? It's Jesus. I can't help but show the love of Jesus. What if that is their testimony? So I challenge you to look at the relationship you have around you and the neighbors that you've identified or the neighbors that you've identified in the past that didn't go like you wanted and ask yourself, did you love genuinely? Have you been a light to the world? That's a filter that I run my every day in the morning when I wake up. Jesus, I want to be the light of the world today. I want to show someone love even if they don't deserve it because of what he has done for me. Man, let that be the proclamation of Christians. Let, what would that do for Kannapolis if we just take that serious? What could it do for the world if Christians would love that way? So let us love our neighbor without conditions. Let us drop our sales pitch and let's love like Christ has loved us. Let's pray. Father, I'm so thankful for your love. I'm thankful for the love that I didn't deserve. I'm thankful for the love that I can't earn. It's a mighty love, God. I pray now for each and every person that calls himself a Christian, that they will evaluate their lives and their relationships with other people. And they will take serious loving God and loving your neighbor without conditions. Being in the journey of love with our neighbors for the long haul. Being love to the people around us. Father, I... I pray that you'll give us the courage to admit fault for where we've tried to make the gospel a sale. It's just another checklist, a little notch on our belt, God. 
And I pray that you will empower us by your love and that you'll saturate our lives with your word and that our love comes out, your love comes out. I thank you for each one that's here today, God. Help us to glorify you in everything that we say and do. It's in your name I pray. Amen.